Welcome to the Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime and suspense novels. Each week we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Hopcast, show number 57. I'm Adrian Hobart. I'm Rebecca Collins. And together, we run Hobeck Books, UK independent publishers of the following genres. Thrillers. Crime. Mystery. And suspense. Well, the perfunctory this today. Um, yes, I was trying to put as the the least amount of emotion into that as I possibly could. And what's the reason for that? It's a different way to do it. I guess so. Welcome to the show. And this week we will be talking to Lewis Hastings, a veteran Hobeck author, our second signing, in fact. And his new book, The Chemist, is out on Tuesday the 22nd, i.e. the day after we release this podcast. A brilliant thriller. Featuring, of course, Jack Cade and his team, and a returning villain. I actually think if the chemist was asked to go thrillers, mystery, suspense, he would do it without any emotion. Do you think so? But then he's got um, uh, an Eastern European accent, has he not? He's Romanian, I think. Thrill- thrillers. I can't do Eastern European. Uh, thrillers. Uh, uh, thrillers, yeah. Crime. <laughs> mystery. And suspense. Yes, he would do that. Like yeah, that. okay, fine. Right, well, I've got a bit of practice doing East, East, East End villains. East no. End European villains. <laughs> so Lewis Hastings, our guest, a little later. Let's get into, well, a limited portion of news. Because I said to you 10 minutes before we came into the studio, I don't think there really is much news around that I want to talk about. No, I mean, there is news, but there's there's nothing outstanding, I'd say. It's, it's, it's quite run-of-the-mill stuff. It's so-and-so snapped up such and such and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But there was, <laughs> but we did have a healthy debate before we came in. In fact, we're going to repeat it now in a sense. Because one of the stories that was there was the launch of a new service for authors called Domni Books. And Domni, um, it's based around uh, somebody who used to work at Head, Head of Zeus. Head of Zeus, yeah. And uh, one other publisher, I can't remember. Canongate, was it? Yeah, uh, yes, I believe so. Let me get the story up so that we're, uh, we're a bit more <laughs> on a message with this. Yeah, you sent it to me in a message. Now, essentially what, what's being offered here is a service, a pre-publication service to get your manuscript into shape, ready for agents and pu- publishers. And, uh, right, I mean, there's certainly, I'm sure, a demand out there for it. Well, there's definitely a demand. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, but at the same time, you've got to ask yourself a question. Is I'm not doubting the the efficacy of this or the ethics behind it, but it's just that personally, I have a little bit of a problem with the whole "we'll help you get published" kind of side of things. Yeah, uh, I've been in part of a few years ago. I joined a, an organisation which helped authors shape themselves ready for publication in the children's market. And the people have impeccable credentials involved and all that sort of thing. But the fact is, it's a long process, paying Mm. fees for about three years before you get put in front of an agent. And that's a lot of money. 
And so my question is, is is making money out of that pre-publication process, uh, you know, a worthy thing? Um, I mean, you know, it would be easy for us to set ourselves up like that. There's two sides to this, isn't there? Because there's one side where it's not democratic in the way that, you know, we're supposed to be championing people who, writers who have come from uh, poorer backgrounds or, you know, they haven't had the opportunities that a lot of the writers from the 20th century and the early 21st century did have. So, again, they won't be able to afford this service. So it's excluding them already. Uh, I guess so. Well, we don't know what the uh, the actual costs involved are. But we're talking about, let's get the detail here. It's Holly Domney, who used to work for Canon Gate, as you say, in Head of Zeus. And she's launched Domney Books, and she's got 10 sort of um, initial authors who are working with her, including David Mark, who's been in touch with us. He's got a non-fiction book that we were looking at. Uh, and David is uh, a quite well-known author. He's had a you know Sunday Times bestseller in the past. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, she's focusing on crime and action and thrillers and that sort of stuff for the marketplace. And she's got, uh, you know, essentially, uh, memoranda of understanding with a couple of publishers, um, which includes uh, head of Zeus, of course, and Joffy books. So presumably, I mean, I, again, the details scant here about how that relationship works. Do they get first look at people that she puts forward, yeah. that sort of thing? Um, all I'm saying is, is that you're presumably either contributing initial advances or royalties, or you're paying up front for this service. That's a good question, isn't it? And and also, when you put it like that, so there are two publishers that she's um, working with, whatever you mean by working with, is she not then just acting like a, an agent? Because yeah. agents provide editorial advice. When they sign someone mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. they help shape the manuscript before they submit it to publishers. Well, I mean, these are the services that she's offering, um, and we should get on the programme to talk about it. So perhaps that's the best thing, but, you know, rather than us sitting here sort of in <laughs> judging and, and, and guessing. So uh, offering editorial services such as structural editing, copywriting. Uh, Domini Books describes itself as a cheerleader, advisor, and promoter of authors, providing consultancy, coaching, care, and creative services. It says such services help writers to complete their manuscript, prepare them for submitting to agents and publishing houses, or to self-publish their novels. Okay. So right. it's basically a self-publishing provider, but just a very niche. Element. I don't know. I don't. I, I. It's it's another way of packaging up editorial services. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, one or two of our authors who've come to us and we've signed have taken on the cost of getting their books to the point where they thought they would publish mm. um, and then they've come to us so they might have self-published but they came to us and we're enormously grateful so you know it's a difficult one but uh, there is another story here in the bookseller which also deals with the aspirant authors and this is the BK, BKS I presume they call themselves the books agency but BKS agency who are running, uh, who have come under criticism for offering a how to get published day, uh, you know, sort of course over a day for £695. And a lot of people in the industry have jumped on this and said, that's outrageous. You're deliberately excluding people who can't afford that sort of fee. And therefore, you are perpetuating the problem that publishing has got, which is access for underprivileged and, uh, you know, um, 
authors from lower incomes. Yeah, so basically my point from earlier. It's the same criticism. Yeah, and they counter and say that we've been involved in a number of schemes, including uh, one which was to set up uh, cheap accommodation for all, for people in the publishing industry to be able to live in London, which yeah. is a very worthy thing. Yeah, I remember that. As and well. they've also done some other outreach schemes through other, you know, with in com- combination with other agencies to try and uh, pass on that sort of knowledge to. But that's people. like saying, you know, I allowed that little old lady to run get run over, but I helped a previous little old lady to cross the road. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, look, you know, but legitimately, £695 sounds like a lot of money, but you could break that down and say, look, hire a venue could be thousands. Well, it will be. No matter what the venue is, it's going to cost a lot of money, right? In addition, speakers. If you're hiring in speakers, you've got to pay them some money, mm. right? It, you know, the costs soon mount if you're doing laying on the catering and all that sort of thing. So £695. Look, there are some ridiculously expensive, uh, you know, creative writing courses out there um, and, you know, residential weekends and all sorts. And all of it, all of that part of the industry is aimed at people who want to get into print. And in many ways, the whole publishing industry relies on the fact that there is an endless supply of people willing to go to extraordinary lengths to see their names on the cover of a book that's that's so true and that's why they publishers have got away with lower royalties low royalties because it's a dream the dream is your book on the table in in the bookshop yeah now actually getting to that stage where a publisher is prepared to pay for that privilege of being on the table at waterstones is another thing altogether because only a very select few people who are picked up by major presses who've got the money to do this will actually get that privilege. Mm. Anyway, we go around in circles. But basically, (laughs) yeah, this is the danger for the whole publishing industry is that, you know, it can behave like a vanity press if it really wanted to. And in some ways it is. And I suppose what we're trying to do, the path that we take is that we're publishing books that we believe in that are submitted to us so that we're not making massive changes or telling people to write to market we're not no. doing that at all which <coughs> excuse me we've had anecdotally heard of major publishers doing exactly that approaching authors and saying we need a book of this type with this script this synopsis mm. and you go and make it for no, us no it's not it's not an uncommon scenario so you know i guess we're having another episode where we've started thinking is the industry we we're in dishonest stinks a bit you know, is there a bit of a whiff around? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that's the fact of it. I mean, it's not as bad as, you know, Penguin Random House buying the number one slot in WH Smith's for Richard Osman, which really, really, really stinks. No, the but there are, there are lots of grey areas, aren't there? Mm. So, yeah. I, and I know that you've been, you know, in one of your other hats with the Writers and Artists Yearbook, one of the things that you have to do as a team is try and establish what sort of publisher you're listing. You say team, it's just me. It's just you, <laughs> with support from, yeah, yeah. from others. But, you know, the collaboration. Um, and, again, it's important for the for the yearbook to be representing a, a model of publishing that uh, is not exploitative. And, indeed, there is a section for people who are providing services yeah, there absolutely is. You know, the aim is to cover as many elements of publishing as there are, so not just the traditional side. Um, but part of my job is to keep an eye out to make sure that we're not recommending publishers that are um, 
not doing the job they should be doing and you know not supporting authors and well so... but what, what we're talking about is people demanding money up front before your book gets published oh yeah so they won't they'll be in the self-publishing section which is a completely different section it's fine to charge people to publish um their manuscripts there is obviously a, a, a market for that there's a place for that but it's not the same thing so so but you know there, there are some who have argued that actually nowhere traditional publishers just that we have an upfront model Mm. Um, <laughs> which, which you know, is an area of constant and um, sometimes heated debate. Yes, and the market is changing. You know, there are there are lots of grey areas where I mean, I you know, I know a couple of publishers who are strictly traditional publishers, but they have a separate arm of their business where they charge for editorial services. Yeah, no, it's something we've discussed because. The nature of our business is we need to ensure cash flow, and we're relying on sales almost entirely for that at the moment. Plus, you know, you do freelance work for other publishers, uh, OUP and Bloomsbury particularly. And so, you know, that's <laughs> there are times when you think, right, well, you know, we've got all the kit, we've got the knowledge, we've got everything. You know, we could help somebody get their piece of work into shape and out there. And we've got cover designers and all sorts of things that we could draw on. And that is a debate we've had. Yeah, and, we uh, have. You know, I'm I'm conflicted by that. I'm conflicted too because I'm very proud of Hobeck and I'm very proud that we are firmly in the traditional publisher, independent traditional publisher camp. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to jeopardise that at all. No, no, I don't want it to be any sort of um, smudging of the lines on that. So that's how we, we stand at the moment. But it is a debate. And so it's, it's a rigorous and, and vigorous debate as well. Anyway, I'm sure this is something that we will pick up at British, uh, sorry, the London Book Fair, which is coming fast up the tracks. I know, it's only a month and a month and a half, six yeah, weeks. Yeah, if that, yes, yeah, six weeks, I guess. Um, in between times, we've got various other projects on the go, um, which are very exciting, including very, very soon, a special episode. <gasps> Down in Exeter. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And where we go and visit the special archive, Agatha Christie Archive, which is kept at the University Library at Exeter, where we both went to university. And we're going to get to see some fabulous correspondence, which explains the sometimes fraught relationship between Agatha Christie herself and her business affairs. Yeah, so it covers not just her writing, but film rights. All and sorts. All, yeah, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to know, you know, take a peek into the her mindset and you know some of her worries because you know despite being the world's most successful author of all time uh, she uh, had many many concerns and worries and well of course she was yeah <laughs> would yeah. never be anyone well that's that's the creative nature isn't it so mm -hmm. that's coming up and indeed our next guest um next week is a really very special guest indeed one of the best-selling authors in the uk at the moment rachel mclean is joining us not only to talk about her uh, Dorset um, uh, crime books, which have gone absolutely crazy, straight to number one. It's true, yeah. So every time I look on Amazon, and I, if I'm looking in the crime thriller area, because that's what we do, she appears every single time. Rachel McLean is one of the indie success stories of the last 18 months, without question, and is selling truckloads of books and just doing brilliantly. But she's also written a non-fiction book about the philosophy and the, the mindset you need to be a successful independent author. 
So lots to talk about. And she's not that far from us no. down in Birmingham. So we are really looking forward to that. That's uh, one we've been very excited about. So that's next week's. But this week, it is Lewis the Hastings. lovely Lewis. And again, he joined us from, well, guess where? New Zealand. <laughs> so plenty to talk about. But you'll have to forgive us because uh, I think the sound's a little um, fractious. Um, on the yeah, lake from New Zealand, you have to sort of piece together some of the consonants. To... <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a little bit of breakup, but nonetheless, we hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, it's the third time we've spoken to Lewis, and this is, of course, ahead of the release of the fifth Jack Cade novel, The Chemist, which is his strongest to date. Oh, absolutely! And I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. Let's speak to Lewis Hastings. Lewis Hastings, for the third time, welcome yeah. to the podcast. You're a veteran, right? Adrian. I am a, a veteran, yes. I've been called many things. Um, I am a veteran, thank you. But uh, yes, third time lucky. Incredible. And um, I feel quite special about that. You are well, special. And again, I very have special needs, I'm sure, in many ways. But uh, <laughs> yes. And of course, joining us from New Zealand, which, um, well, I mean, must be, is it sort of autumn, autumn approaching now? Is it still summer? I can't, I'm oh, no, it's the mid, middle of summer, darling. Yes, it's. Uh, we've had. See, we're, yeah, we're, look, we're lucky that we can yeah. see Lewis. No, the people listening can't see Lewis. That is a town. Your, your colour compared to our very pallor. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, it's been 30, I think the highest jump, 39 degrees. Wow. About two. Well, we, where it, we've had a storm <laughs> raging round. Yes, but you've had a storm called Nice to see you, to see you NIST. Yeah, I know it's awful, that's all I've got. Um, there you go. Yeah, it's 39 degrees. Today was a lot cooler. Um, uh, it's past nine at night here, and the, the crickets are singing. Oh, I love that sound. We don't get that in the UK. <laughs> Well, no, really bad environmentally if we do. No, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I don't think Buddy Holly's still alive. But um... <laughs> no, it's first thing in the morning for us, isn't it? We we uh, we leapt out of bed with much enthusiasm this morning. I'm delighted. I must say, you're looking very well. Two <laughs> years on now, you're looking great. Yeah, we... we look younger, don't we? Yes, you do, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. <laughs> Let's 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 crack on into the the uh, the body. These of... two, <laughs> and we're celebrating the release this week of the Chemist, which is the fifth novel featuring Jack Cade. And I say featuring because really it's it's the, the focus is switching in the Chemists uh, to some extent to the wider team a little bit. Yeah, deliberate, Adrian. You know, I mean, old spot because you've read the thing a hundred times, just like <laughs> I have the point where you actually forget what the story is all about but um yeah on this, this occasion i wanted to you know without the spoiler alert stuff the the antagonist antagonist there's a slightly different ship um so the antagonist will bring back a, uh, we call him an old friend don't we he's nothing you wouldn't want a friend like this i'm not going to say what you take out the r and he's a fiend yes I won't say what one particular brilliant reviewer described him as, well, but um, I put that on the book. I know I can't put that on the book, but I no, would... I think we would probably have the um, I don't know whatever they're called the uh, licensing team in the UK. It's to do with fair words and all that. Yeah, she said a rude well, word. Would... Well, they go into a fit, wouldn't they? But this 
this has brought in um, ginger. So uh, the DCI, Jason Roberts, who's uh, probably the centre of this story to a great extent. Mm. And I, I felt he was quite a strong character anyway, but I wanted to really expose him uh, that would really uh, turn his world upside down. And I think it did. Absolutely. This is the issue, though, is that we can't really reveal too much. No, but there's one particular bit where you really are on the edge of your sofa or, you know, wherever you're, wherever you're reading it, and you're thinking, no, no, but that's all we Well, let's really. put it this way. I've, I'm now looking at car washes in a completely different way. That's all I'm <laughs> I, I have not been through a car wash since then. No, me neither, darling. No, I can assure you, bucket and, sp bucket and sponge, everything for me now. Um, I was actually, I did go through one the other day where there's a car washed alongside mine and I looked across and this, this guy was in a Range Rover, dark sort of sinister Range Rover with windows and I thought, yeah, he could, he could right now and no one would know. Yeah. So, yeah. We're talking cryptic. You know what? But Wouldn't it be we are talking to monitor car wash usage after Tuesday compared to last week? <laughs> In the UK, hey, if one, if, if, I mean, I'm, yeah, to the UK car watch industry, I can only apologise in advance. But um, if one person doesn't go to the, we've cracked. <laughs> and there's, you know, look with every. I didn't know when I started working with you, and when I wrote seven, which is the start of the trilogy, mm -hmm. we would, in book five. And I'm so glad that in book three, I did try to kill somebody off um, because that individual. And I really enjoyed writing the camera. It was a nightmare for you. It was a nightmare for me and for everyone that proofread it and read it again and again and again. <laughs> I, think we, I think we as a triangular team tightened it up so well. And I think, yeah, I'm bloody proud of it. I think it's really good. One. Yeah. Trouble is now is where do I go next? You know. Well, you've you've laid the the seeds for a new. Um, oh yeah, that's on twenty four. Yeah, so we've got a new antagonist by the end of the book, which yes will will propel Jack into a sort of and um, and carry into a more international scenario, yeah. Because most of the books, well, they've, they've been focused largely on London, haven't they? So yes. yeah. uh, So this 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 is going to. Uh, on unfamiliar territory, push push Jack hugely. But as you say, this one's more about ginger. Uh, it's you know, uh, without giving too much away, he really is in. Um, he's put it into put in the ringer, <laughs> put through the ringer. First of all, through <laughs> yeah. bereavement, and then secondly, yeah. uh, I mean, he's exposed to some pretty ghastly things. And, and again, I'll, I'll say this, I think the UK casino industry might be, uh, <laughs> might be suffering after the release of the book. All bets yeah. are off. At least, yeah. at least one reviewer has said they're not going to go to a casino ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Car washes casinos. <laughs> yeah, anything else beginning with C, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, um, I mean, strangely enough, finding the building. Um, which one of the brilliant reviewers, Jude, has actually worked it out, worked out where that building is. Mm. Uh, you know I like to involve history in mm. all the books, historical, and I know you enjoy that, Adrian, with mm. certainly with military history. 
Yeah. This one wasn't. The angel obviously that was pure military history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- this one is on that building and it just spoke to me. I just this is I'd love to go there, but I think it's rarely closed. It just cried out this to be going on. Uh that was sinister within its walls. So yeah. Just enjoyed this book so much. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, we felt that, didn't we, when we were reading it? Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can tell when the writer has enjoyed writing or almost sort of <clears throat> let the book write itself in some in some way. Yeah, I think I think, you know, what you touched on though, the amount of work that we've put in to tighten it up, um, you know, that's been considerable. Uh, you know, that's quite a quite a process and quite a difficult it's quite, you know, it challenges the relationship between us as publishers and yourself as the author. Um, I know that on a number of occasions, you know, the emails sort of, we would hit the button and then wait for the reaction. <laughs> and then you'd probably be sort of pulling your punches a little bit because, you know, I think we have got to a stage in our relationship after two years uh, where we can dish out the tough love. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I, would, I, I would be disappointed if, disappointed if you didn't. Yeah, you know, let's face it. You know, he says racking block, just seventeen rounds in there, because yeah. um, you can feel the tension slightly if it's fully loaded. But yeah, <laughs> I I have to say, Rebecca's not sure now. <laughs> I'm enjoying watching Rebecca here because she's looking right at the garden in case anybody's wandering around with a firearm. No, I the fact that we can have these, he's gone. Um, the fact we can have these is so look it's mature and I think that maturity has come up it came quickly anyway let's face it we did the wham bam um, with uh, in a big sort of tidal wave and I think that set the scene didn't it really it set the tone for how we were going to get on and mm. you know when, when you let's let's be honest there's some I sounded Welsh then didn't I let's be honest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's Uncle Brainy's back again um, the, f- the reality is, when you press send, that's courageous. You know, mm. as a publisher, there's courage involved because I could just throw the proverbial yeah. dummy, couldn't I, or whatever it is, out of the cop, Teddy. Mm. But I, I, I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to advance as an author if I, if I'm petulant and I decide to ignore your advice, wisdom. And we had a couple of other people. Um, run it through as well you know yes. um notable people uh, like brian price who's a fellow teammate author um who spent a lot of time i can tell uh, doing some reviewing which i really really appreciate mm-hmm. uh, genuinely but no I, I think you wouldn't get this relationship they, they don't have the time or the wherewithal to be like this and this is why you guys are unique and every time I hear online now someone talking about Hobeck, Hobeck, I'm hearing it a lot more than I was two years ago. Oh, yeah. And an awful lot more than a year ago. Mm. Yeah. You're getting a reputation and it's only good. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, so far. I suppose one thing I should say is, is you're not the only one that we've pushed. We, we push when we feel we need to push, don't we? I, I know it. I'm, I, I know I'm the only one, Rebecca. <laughs> all, the others have, all the others have written to me with floating emails saying, yes, we know you're the, the problem, Charlie. <laughs> no, you've, I you've think, got I, I think, 17 I think, or 18, you know? 
Yeah, now it's... Uh, well, 22. Cusp of 20, certainly. Um, yeah, and, you know, all of... The, the nature of it is, is that, as you've seen, I mean, our latest signing we announced uh, last week, which was Rob Gittins. You could not yes. find an experienced writer than Rob in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, he is uh, one of the most successful scriptwriters in the, in the UK in terms of for TV, um, in, in, particularly in, in continuing stories, uh, serial drama like EastEnders, uh, 350 odd episodes and trusted with the most important episodes of their recent history, like the 30th, when they did it live, uh, entirely live. He wrote that. I mean, it's just you know, an hour of them running around the set, um, cutting <laughs> scenes. I mean, it was just amazing. Um, yeah. And, of course, the legendary Mike Reed arriving at the doorstep, oh, at Pat's doorstep, with, with his... Bow tie, which yeah. is on the memory of a generation. Um, but, you know, you're right. I mean, we... It, it, in terms of our approach, it's got to be, it's, it's tailored. It's not, uh, you know, no two relationships are the same. And if we treated everybody the same in the sense that, you know, we just sort of did a cookie cutter approach to, mm. to publishing, then um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Now, there are a number of other publishers we're hearing about, really big publishers who are doing exactly that and actually starting yeah. to approach writers to just write stuff that they want that fits the, their current thoughts on the market. Um, so, in a sense, I get the feeling that the options for people to send in what they've, the story within them, if you like, the one that, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they've carried around with them and they've toiled to get to in front of a publisher, the opportunities for people to publish that way, to submit and see their work published, are diminishing very fast. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you I see people so. on the websites, they say, you know, please read our current, look at our current list and read our current thoughts on, you know, and before you even submit. And if your book doesn't fit that, there's no point bothering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's quite cold, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I know this is a miss, but this is also for me as a big chat and a big catch. For, and for people to listen uh, on the podcast, great, by the way. I'm not just saying that, I would listen to it normally. But what I love is those comments that you have, and that reflects your your credo, doesn't it? Like this sort of magic dust, I think it was one, um, <laughs> you know, where people are saying it seems like every author you sign, well, there's a reason for that. Mm. You're selected. You could you could have had seventy authors by now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah easily, yeah. But this, what counts more than anything else, from my experience working with you, I'm not. Being, I am being biased here, but you know, looking across the board, it's the story. And if that story isn't good enough to either turn the bathwater or make you never go to a casino or a car watch again, then it's not good enough. Yeah, true. And well, yeah, and we go, we 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 do rely on our gut feeling. Yeah, and then and then and then expertise kicks in that we've developed. I mean, you know, I've come to this fresh uh, a couple of years ago. But with an instinct for for other aspects of it, I suppose, and Bex with a stronger um, well, not know. crime. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is it. You know, yeah. I, I guess we're still not in a position where we could didactically say this works as a crime story. Um, but we know it's it's more the does this work as uh, on the many levels that a story needs to work at, and that's that's that. Exactly. 
So that gets honed, yeah. I think the fact it's crime almost is irrelevant because we're analysing the story and the characters. And if it works on that level, Mm. then, you know, the crime... Yeah, I mean, let's take this one we're launching on the 22nd of the 2nd, 2020. I've rehearsed (laughs) that now. And the numerologists over that number, but if you take the chemist from the beginning and the middle and the end, mm. in, in, in many ways, it's not a crime thriller. Despite the fact there's countless crimes committed, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's kind of a bit bigger than that. And I'm being, again, I'm being shamefully biased here, but it's the story that counts. Yeah. You know, and well, if, if there's a it's this thread in between all the crimes, if it's just crime, 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 mm. with no reason, you know? I mean, look, our man Constantine, he's a horrible isn't he? Mm. You know, yeah. I, won't, I won't use that quote yet again, but the reality <laughs> is that it would say so bad that somebody was compelled to write to us and say he's the worst person I've ever read about. Mm. Well, is, it, is, he, is he a criminal? Well, he, he, I think what I you think do, I think what you do so well, and all the best criminals, <laughs> if you just shift your mindset, and I'm sure you did this as an author, everything they do is entirely justified in their heads. In their heads, yeah. But yeah, they yeah. have a, they have a, you know, it, it is. I mean, this is a revengeous tragedy in a sense. Um, you know, it's in the best, I think, in the best tradition of, dare I say, it, 17th century. Um, yeah. dramatic stuff, you know. I was where, actually going to say the Greek myths. I mean, they're all yeah, about tragedy absolutely. and about revenge. And, and about, about, you know, about, you know, av- uh, avenging a, a slight or a, some sort of something that's happened to them in the past. And then they build this uh, worldview around themselves that justifies everything they do. Uh, and he does that superbly with a, a lot of flair. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you've got, I think, what marks out this book from the previous four is the sense that everybody from our heroes is suffering, uh, more so than, than, the, than previously. You know, you're taking them into dark, yeah. dark areas, um, you know, not just physical oh, mm-hmm. privations, yeah. but definitely, you know, mental and emotional dark areas where they, they you know they struggle to keep perspective um yeah. on each other but it's also dark yeah. areas that so many people can relate to because they're, they're i don't want to use the word ordinary but they are the sort of things that happen to anybody and everybody and so i yeah. think that's part of the appeal when you're reading it is you think either you know oh gosh i've been there or i know someone who's been there and you you then you can't you, you just got to keep reading because you, you you you're on the journey with them mm. Well, these, I mean, you talked about those people with their revenge and, and their mindset, you know, the, the mens rea, if you like, is, is it's quite exciting. And 32 years working with people like that. Mm. And that they are very real, you know. Um, and there's no doubt that I've been involved in a lot of uh, significant inquiries and investigations where during that, these little uh, sort of, Cameos arrive. Some of the stuff you're talking about in the chemist was took me a long time to think whether I should put it in or not. But I wanted to for my own reasons as well. 
And I, and I think I've already had one email from a reader to say, this stopped them in their track. Glad that I did. Um, because I do remember going right back. This, this one's taken a long time to come really for me. Had this virus issues. But I remember in the very early days, Adrian saying, I want this to be a bit grittier old. <laughs> you know? And I sort of sat, I sat back and I thought, hmm, don't go over the top here. <laughs> but let's make, if you want, I remember actually saying, you want gritty? Right, I'll give you gritty. <laughs> and, and gritty, is, it's got a, there's a line, isn't there? There's a continuum. Is where, it, if it's too, this side, you know, too far to the left, it's not gritty enough. And if it's too far to the right, it's just gratuitous violence for the hell of it. I think we're about three quarters of the way along. Mm. It's dark. It's still got some humour in it. And I, you know, um, again, it's just based on reality. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I think that's that's one of your great selling points is that, you know, when people pick up your books, and I know we can't say much more um, about what you do and what you have done for so many years. Uh, but, you know, these are stories which are based on things that you have experienced and characters that you've come across and um they're you know the people are <laughs> all too real and i think some sometimes that catches people off guard a little uh, i love to be able to when they say oh, yeah that would never happen and I say, well, <laughs> <laughs> well actually really? funny you say that <laughs> um yeah. you know it, it, it's it, it's based on greater reality than anything that jed mercurio puts out or um, any one of that sort of ilk, in the yeah. sense that you know you 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 have um, you have lived it, or you have worked with people who have lived it, and and so um, that's that's one of the great strengths of the series. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I I, I always wanted right from the the moment I put on paper, which was some years ago now, um, if it wasn't going to be uh, a good story. That was well told but importantly was authentic and i would rather not publish it and yes the chemist has got artistic license of course it has show me a i'm looking at a book here show me a lee child or a peter james that doesn't have license. um lee child's made a huge career out of it never arrested anybody in his life no <laughs> but it doesn't but it doesn't matter he's he, he, he did find um a menu uh, recipe if you like that worked mm. and what I'm hoping with this series is that by injecting some real life uh, cameos which we've been missed uh, and again it's, it's awful isn't it you want to just talk about it and actually tell the reader um, what we're rambling on about but some of these little life cameos within this uh, in this case karaoke you know I remember you saying we want her to be for suffering's sake but we just want a little bit more she's she's been through an awful lot uh in a couple of these stories would she really be you know the go like person do you know what i needed to be told that mm. you were spot on change the story i think and that's going to filter into already um, yeah Carrying that baggage, carrying that that chain around her, 
now mm. and, and mm. to drag that chain through this next book. Yeah. Um, but there is light, there's light at the end of the song. Oh, good. <laughs> it's not all dark and gloomy. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Lee Chubb because um, Rebecca and I just entered the world of Reacher, which we hadn't before mm. through the Amazon Prime. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. version that's, that's just come out and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, but it's you can almost sense that, um, I mean, this is Killing Floor, but remade as, as in the first series as, as an eight-episode story. And re, uh, Lee Child has been saying, oh, I wish I'd known that X and Y and I've not done this and that and the other. And you can feel it almost like they've stuck closely to the story, but, you know, there was a feeling that they've tried to retcon um, the... Uh, some of the aspects of the book so that uh, uh, you know the, the character sets off on a slightly different path what's retcon retcon um, retro retrospective construction yeah kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. that's fine yes. I, I have no idea um, it's used a lot in um, yeah with the sort of digital uh, journalism I read about, you know, entertainment, they all talk about retconning this and that and the other. It's, you know, what they do in Star Wars where they uh, they try and airbrush a mistake by a previous director and, and take it back onto the, the core path, if you know what I mean, um, of the story. And um, it, it's it's fascinating. I mean, it was, as a, as a, as a piece of TV, it was fantastic. I uh, just want to tickle his armpits. Is this, sorry, is this Adrian or Reacher? <laughs> Reach her because he doesn't smile, so I want to make him smile by tickling his well, eyes. You wouldn't reach, would you? Is that well, I might need a step man, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose what I'm going at is is um that you know if it's a fair reflection of his first book, then that's an incredible piece of world building. Yeah. Um yeah. from the get-go. Um and yeah, you say you know the ingredients are well, I mean, now it's in his brother's hands. Uh, and people are already saying, you know, this latest Reacher book didn't quite just have the magic. Um, his brother, I mean, it's a hell of a job, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, you're genetically connected and you've been around the world, but it doesn't mean you can necessarily write no, I mean, like I your brother does. Yeah, like, well, not that I've written a book, but I can't imagine my siblings having a go. But what, <laughs> what I suppose I'm leading on to is that, um, you know, when you start out on a series like this, and, uh, you know, as you say, it's several years ago since you began Jack Cade and his adventures and built the world and the people around him. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it, 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 I bet there are times when you think, oh, I wish I'd done this from the start and I'd given him this or that and the other. Um, or do you feel that way? I mean, you know. No, not at all. <laughs> no? <laughs> uh, no, I know, you, I know you talk about there's only two, there's plotters and pantsers. And I'm sure listening to what those words mean. Um, I'm somewhere in between those two things because when I started writing the trilogy, yeah, I had no idea how the first book was going to end, let alone the end of the trilogy. When I started writing The Angel of Whitehall, I knew there was a beginning and an end, but I had no idea what was in the middle. Right. The chemist... Thank God I didn't kill off an individual character because otherwise I'd have to invent somebody that probably didn't have the um, the depth of character that the individual mm. has. Because you start to see that during the trilogy. You, if you go back and look at the, you think oh, he was unpleasant back then. 
then he's thoroughly unpleasant. And now mm. he's completely, horribly unpleasant. No. So, yeah, I mean, do I wish? No, I, I've contemplated killing off a few characters along the way. But there's always that risk that, you know, we, we yeah. brought one back. Yeah. And it's not this hammering really in the shower or whatever. <laughs> oh, exactly, yeah. And I, and I did, did do that once. I brought somebody back. But, again, that was planned. Um, Mrs. Hastings went through that one. There you go. Um, but no, I don't think I, I don't regret doing anything in particular because I'm very lucky that when I start writing, the story unfolds. Mm. Okay. Mm. It, it's if there was a street map, I'm I start driving down Marlebone and I end up in Essex. I have no idea how I get from the. Now that as publishers would either excite you or terrify. No, I no, mean, no, that's good. That's a good. I mean, thing. that's the way I approach it as well. I mean, I, yeah, I, I you can tell. So I relate to that. I'd be in Essex too. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because <laughs> I've, I've been going through my own, own manuscripts this week, just trying to uh, get some progress. How is Rafe? Rafe is Rafe is fine. It's it. Um, he's. Uh, I've just discovered sort of early on in the in the book that I really he he drifts out of the story, and, and in many ways it's Violet's story, his love interest. Yeah. Um, although Rafe is sort of the character that compels me most, but um, I need to give him something to do early on in the book. So he's just signed up for um, military intelligence um, but, uh, over a good lunch. Fine, that's done. Of course, of course. Um, and then he's been invited to a drill hall where you know the, the whole process starts, um, and that it, then he sort of disappears for a couple of chapters while Violette joins the same organization in, in, in a completely different fashion. And um, yeah, it feels like he sort of drifted out of the picture a little bit. So um, that's my that's my job this week is to try and figure out how do you advance that without just padding out the story. Um, do you know why I'm smiling? I'm sat here smiling, listeners, because I'm watching Adrian squirm around the fact that he is also trying to write it. And the reality is you talked there about you know, he's disappeared as if you have no connection to him. No, he's I mean, his own living, he's his own living being, and he's gone off to do his thing. Well, actually, he hasn't. You've allowed him to. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Isn't, it, but isn't it great that right now he's doing something in that story that you've 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 created him and wound him up and set him off? Mm -hmm. And Violet's doing something else somewhere else. Mm. But that's the beauty of writing, isn't it? You've You've created this wonderful story that's now actually self-propelling. Yeah, I know, absolutely. You've just uh, got to get to the end now, Adrian, and get published by <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Rafe, Rafe is just, he, he I, I, what I love about him, he's a kind of extension of me, really, but... Um, in really? Sort of dashing. I would never yeah, dashing. But no, he's... <laughs> he's um, See you with some players number six in the 1944... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I would be, um, uh, I mean, he's, he's sort of an amalgam of some of the characters that I was at school with. So, uh, yeah, he's got my sort of ability to busk through life in the sense that, uh, you know, not taking anything too seriously. Um, yeah. Which, which is, I think, very important. But he's surrounded by a load of people who are actually are taking the war very seriously. For him, it's a game. It's like, it's just one of these things where, well, one has to do one's bit, I suppose. And, uh, and if there's a good bottle of wine at the end of the day and, uh, and, a, and a fine woman, then, um, then then so much the better. But that's his approach. And Sorry, is, is that this 
is that this weekend we're talking about? Yeah. Or is, the, or is, or is this the, the mythical Hobart novel? Well, uh, we've certainly done the wine bit. Um, Good. Uh, yeah. Um, you did buy some nice wine in Waitrose. Yeah, I did. I did. No Waitrose. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, so, so, you know, you're right. I mean, going back to, to, to your work, I mean, it's, it's, in a sense, there is that thing that, uh, I suppose what I'm trying to do is get back into the world where they're telling me what to do. Um, yeah, they will. Trust me, they will. I mean, the, the new, the sequel, or the next in the series, mm. book six, and you'll publish that one as well. I hope we'll be doing it forever. Um, you know, that, that's... I haven't written anything for probably two weeks because I've been very busy with, with my blog. Um, but it just hasn't talked to me. Mm. But but today, mowing the lawn, you just popped in, and I thought, ah, that that makes, you know. So these these characters do visit you. Uh, as yeah. weird as that sounds, writers out there will be nodding. I know they mm, visit I you. So. Well, I mean, often in the small hours. We've had this conversation with other authors. I mean, Sue Sue Shepherd was. She said, "I hope you don't think I'm mad, but." You know, my characters are talking to me all the time. No, Sue, so I don't think you're mad. <laughs> no, I think every author you've signed up actually is probably <laughs> is either clinically insane or, or borderline. Well, that's good because so are we. <laughs> exactly. This is there, the, there is an element of match made in heaven. Yeah, I mean, there is an element. Of, you know, why would you put yourself through it otherwise? Because I think people don't appreciate writing a novel as such um, a mammoth undertaking. Um, and you know, yes, you can get to the end of the first draft. That's one thing, but then the rest that's of us, it, yeah, exactly. The rest of it is the real grind. And it's interesting um, witnessing this with some of our newer signings and, and uh, you know, first-time authors who are getting their first edits back, and just how difficult that is to to adjust to, um, you know, the, the wall of suggested changes and clarifications yeah. in, in anyone's text and you know because everyone in box when you hit send with the, the manuscript everyone thinks i've got it as close as i could possibly can because often they've, they've read it about 10 times and edited it themselves yeah, yeah, and their yeah, wives yeah, yeah. read it and dogs <clears throat> read it and and and, and then yeah. someone comes back and says you know 50 percent of it's got to go uh, you know, the other 20 percent's got to be rewritten. <laughs> Slightly. Um, no, no, it, it, it's, but it's it's a bit like that. And actually, you know, yeah. we have witnessed this reaction in, in one of our authors recently, and they they, but it took them about a week, and they came around and they went, do you know what? They were right, <laughs> but it's difficult. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, they want to write to me primarily if it counts. I'm more than happy to do it. Um, you know, it, the reality is that. Yeah, when you think of nothing else, it's a nightmare. Uh, it's an addiction when you think of nothing else and when you send it. I'll be honest, when I send this to you, I was thinking, ha, 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 this is just the beginning. They're going to send it back. <laughs> and I, I knew that you would. And in fact, there was, a, there was a section in there on the train going through the Medway towns. Mm. And for months, I kept saying to myself, this needs it's just filler, you know? But I had to write it because I write it the time. And the, one of the first things you suggested was taking that out. <laughs> so I just went, yeah, told you. Yeah. Uh, and other bits and pieces. It's like when I think it might have been Malcolm that said, have you run a 
and word search over your manuscript. I took out 508 from the chemist. 508 unnecessary that's, mm. you know? But they're there and you don't see them. Three pages, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but no, it, it, I'm, I'm convinced like you that this, this one is really... This doesn't win some massive prize with the Prime Writers Association. You know, we have to retire and be... <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest prize is people find it, love it buy the other books and um and i've seen some of that already on twitter some yeah. conversations between people saying you know oh I, i've just i've just discovered this or we, we, we've got some reviewers that we've um uh, got in touch with that we didn't know when the first books were published so they're coming at the chemist the first time and they yeah, are going back and, yeah. and the other ones now because they said wow <laughs> this book's great and, and, uh, i swear before this timely timely segue to those people um, you know, we did the book giveaway last weekend, mm. uh, which was, thank you, Rebecca. I know Adrian was just quandering over Rafe and his cigarette and hair, but that was a lot of hard work. <laughs> just one book away, but there was a real buzz, you know, yeah. and that's and I need to publicly thank those reviewers and the bloggers and all these people that had no part in my life two years ago, you know. They mm. are, I, I call them the mortar in the brickwork a number of times, and that's what they are. Mm. Uh, because they, they put, I've got a couple of interviews coming up with some of your, your favourite reviewers. Yeah. And I've just done a Q&A uh, with Jude, and, and that was great fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but without them, and, with, and again, a couple of, uh, Brian Price, um, I know I mentioned him earlier, but he spent a lot of time looking manuscript I know he did and, and a real public thank you to him and my dear friend Jeremy Batchelor over here who's a British man who's just a whiz with organic he just knows how to blow things up and uh, takes great pride in telling me that he considered that I have a job where people really shouldn't blow things up um, but yeah those those are the sort of people that you really can't genuinely thank enough Mm. And what you find in this, in this, in, if it's an industry, I don't think it is an industry, a way of life, is that the support is incredible. Yeah. Mm, it is. Yeah. And it's just the, the, the love of books and the love of reading and the love of getting lost in these worlds. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I'd rarely read. I'm a sinner. Cast me out. I, I rarely read books. I just don't have time. I mean, it's yeah it's a frustration of mine I'm, I'm getting through brian's i'm actually uh i promised i would read that and it's good very on point so, yeah but um yeah i i think keep being courageous keep throwing back those manuscripts um keep pointing out the the failings and the errors and the the terrible mistakes um because if you don't no one else is and we, as as your authors, the first people we want to please is you. Yeah, to some extent. To some extent. Yeah, to a great extent, Adrian. Well, to a great yeah. extent. Because yeah. if you don't love it, you're not going to want to promote it, are you? True. That is very true. That is yeah. true. That is true. But, you know, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. When we're looking at submissions, we're looking for something we love. 
and um, then there's other things that come into play. But uh, you know, but we're, we're genuinely we, we've I don't think we've we've sat at a book and said we love it, but it's not for us because it doesn't fit the market. Or anything uh, like that's that. not true, actually. No? no, no, I don't want to say mention the name, but there is somebody. It's oh, quite yeah. hard to say no to. Okay. Um, and that was probably the first time we put the business decision into the decision. Yeah, in okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. There is that one occasion. But that's been... But Lee, Lee, Lee Child will go in at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, you were... You, yeah. I think we put the first... Tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're frowning. Um, no. So let's um, let's get to the, the, the highlight of this interview because, uh, you know... Oh, no, it's not, is it? Well... It could be Rebecca's random question, or it could be our Michael Kane off. Uh, which ah, is this actually we got we got the McMurtsers and dear old Roy Castle on scene, have we now? For uh, <laughs> is, this, is this an official Kane off? Because you are better than me. No, 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 no. no, no. You are. Don't start. No, no I, I'm the best. That Miranda, you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Volumes, Michael Caine. Here we go. Right, I'm going to I'm going to start looking up items. But I think at this point, you, I, I'll tell you what. We're going to give you the privilege this week of doing the random question noise. Okay, so you can introduce Rebecca. Rebecca oh, yeah, so. She'll come up with a question. I'll start looking at the items that you and I could bid for at the Michael Caine auction coming up in a couple of weeks. Michael Caine auction. My goodness. But we're going with Rebecca's random question. Aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. You, you, can... you did the, the, the thing. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca's random question, question, question. My question to you is, if someone was to make a film of your life, who would play you? Oh, no. I've rehearsed this for all your most recent random questions. <laughs> and who would play me? I know you're asked about who would play Jack and who would play Carrie. Yeah, well, you, I've always you. said, who, yeah, <laughs> I've always said, stay them, stay them. You've got, you know, there's a certain Jason, Jason. yeah, yeah, a certain certain quality there. Stay them, yeah. who's that? Jason Statham. He was a, a action. professional professional diver who became an action uh, hero. Oh, you yeah, know, stopping two smoking yeah, barrels. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that would work. Snatch. Invincibles, Meg. Invincibles. <laughs> the other one with all the other, all the other Hollywood beefcakes. Who would play me? I don't know. Who would I like to? It's a really good question. I heard last week's question. Actually, I got that one quite easily. <laughs> I do remember what that question <sighs> okay, was. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Rebecca's retro question. I can't remember what I asked last <laughs> week. Going back in time. Mm, yeah. Uh, who would play me? Who would play me? It would have to be a good actor. It'd have to be a character. I, I, uh, Rory Kinnear could do you. Is that Roy Kinnear's son? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. He's a very fine actor. Yeah. You would have seen him in recent Bond films. Um, oh, that'll do. Yeah. Uh, he, he was like Daniel Craig, of course, because he's now retired and redundant, isn't he? Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. Dan oh, all right. Daniel Craig. It's Lewis. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you know what? I'll tell you a quick... I know we're struggling for time, as always. We've already overrun, Adrian. But um, when I was on a, a train as a young boy, vulnerable teenager, about four, a group of girls got on and sat in the carriage and started giggling, saying, he, he's, he's that 
television. I thought, wow, this is good. They were talking about Jim Bob from the Walton. Ah, <laughs> brilliant. So the fact, that you're, you're, the fact that you're talking about Jason Statham or Daniel Craig or Roy, Rory Kinnear uh, or even Michael Sheen, I mean, there's, I talked about this with the Q&A the other day and it came out as Martin Sheen. I know. Um, they're entirely different. Michael's a fan. Nothing he can't turn his voice. Uh, no. I mean, he could play me so good. No, I don't think he's that good. <laughs> no, Two ladies. He's. I mean, his his. Uh, um, let me see. So Kenneth Williams was definitive. His Tony Blair is definitive. Oh, um, I thought you meant Kenneth Williams for me. Sorry. I, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, possibly. Ooh. Don't don't forget Brian Clough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Clough was that was incredible. Yeah. He did that. It uh, was. I I met him a number of times, Cloughy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, at Forest, yeah, waiting in Nottingham for Nottingham Forest. Yeah, yeah. There is a story that I won't tell on air about the time we drove him to the Forest Ground in his gold Mercedes. <laughs> uh, because, quite frankly, young man, I'm not fit to drive there myself. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was I a mean, genuine, genuine character. Absolutely, and the uh, and in his later years, that side of his life was very much etched on his face, wasn't it? Really, yeah, sadly. Hey, sadly. Was last yeah. week's question the weird celebrity encounter? Was that the one? Yeah, I think it was. Because how many celebrities have you met? You know, and like Adrian, I mean, part of my role has been to actually uh, involved in the security of dignitaries and high-profile people, and certainly some of those are celebrities I have met stacked celebrities. Some are far worse than you imagine. Some are far better than you imagine. Yeah. And some are just incredible. You know? Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, classic music legend. One of them, absolutely awful to deal with. The other one, the taller one, uh, with the curly hair, slightly Germanic name, fantastic. Yeah. What a lovely guy. <laughs> It just makes you wonder how they get on together then, if they're so different. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, famous yeah. these things that... Probably like us two, really. Yeah, absolutely. No, listen, I'm <laughs> going to... This is not really going to help the listeners, but I'm going to show you something now on Zoom uh, from the... As I, I Brace yourself, listeners. This could be... Okay. <laughs> this is uh, just to remind people that last week we were discussing this, my excitement. At the Michael Caine is selling off a collection of his personal items. Oh, yeah. Uh, a defect is he just simply can't take them to the bungalow that he and Shakira are buying for their... Oh, for their not the bungalow. <laughs> not the bungalow. Not the, mm. Don't mention the bungalow. It's too soon. Uh, yeah, no, it's like Harry Brown. He's going to move to the Elephant Castle. Um, anyway, <laughs> he, he, um, <laughs> he is selling a whole host of, of items. Now, this one is... This is my favourite movie. So, for me, it's great. Uh, get Carter. Get Carter, yes. but a, a signed photograph from Get Carter of him holding his shotgun. Albeit not, no. in the, not in the nude, which is what he was doing in the film, <laughs> but that is signed by Michael, and that is or, uh, that is expected to that's 200 to 300 quid for a signed photo of Michael wow. Carter, which I think is amazing value. That's cheap, but half the price. Uh, so cheap, but also Michael Caine, Get Carter film poster signed by him. Ooh, that's what you want. 
Yeah. Mon and money's no object for a publisher with your backing. You know, I mean, you, we all know you're break, you know, you're, you're raking in the uh, the millions a week. So I think that he's. Then again, I love the soundtrack, and you can get the vinyl version with him signing it at two to three hundred quid as well. But you have a signed photo of two of the key characters from Howard's Way. I do. And it was, I, 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 I do. I'll tell you, there's a lot deeper than that. Howard's Way. I was a boy actor in Telford's Change. Is it the, Rebecca... you told me that the other day and I had to Google Yeah, it's it. true. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Look I'm... at him. He, you know, for the dear listeners, uh, Adrian's now so transfixed on uh, uh, he... the Michael Caine. He's, he's, he's trying to find the, how much the socks are. That, that, it's, oh, a, it's just a watch. There was oh, a watch. was that an abstract painting of Yeah, him? there was an abstract I painting. I like the abstract painting. This one is a watch. Uh, it's his Rolex. Uh, 18 karat gold. 20,000. Quartz. Okay, so that means battery operated. Um, and it's down for eight to 12,000 pounds. But what's that? Cheaper half the price. Yeah, I'm going to say so. Um, it's not a proper one. He's got, it's got a battery in it. Find it up if it's a real one. I love it's the... It's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's the lighter? That's my favourite one, I think. That or the glasses. A set of... Um, I think you should get a set of Michael Payne cars. I think... I only think you need to be big on. Here we are. Here we are. So, it's here a diamond set roller gas lighter. Like that. <laughs> right? With Michael Caine, uh, MC on it. On the, on the, yeah. on the lid. Uh, that's, it could be Michael Crawford. It could be anybody. It yeah. could be my dad. My dad it is could Michael be. Me. Yeah, but yeah. you know, you know that he is lit up with this thing, which is a thousand to fifteen hundred quid. Jeez. I mean, you know that's. I've got one thing to say to you. In you're your... not having it, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll go for a lot more than fifteen hundred quid. I think you should bid on it early. I think I know that Michael Michael is in your DNA. Michael is in you. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that if I got his glasses, then I would reset the lenses. So that I, I think if you got the glasses, you'd be him. <laughs> I would. Yeah, probably as he is now, actually. Anyway, <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that because <laughs> the brandy and the cigars have just sort of done. Oh, duh. Yeah. Well, uh, do it. Buy the lighter. Buy the lighter for him, Rebecca, and put us all out of our misery, please. Yeah. Well, if he wants to live in a tent. Then we're gonna yeah, be good. <laughs> it's at this point that we announced that we're going to launch a Patreon scheme uh, for the podcast, at which point Fantastic. contributions will be dedicated towards buying me a lighter with Michael Caine's initials on it. Well, I'll, I'll put the first five pounds. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll crowdfund it in some way. I mean, you know. you've earned it. <laughs> I, I would genuinely, if I had a couple of grand's tucked away, uh, I'd buy you something. I would actually get you the glasses. The, the, the glasses. The, the, the glasses. <laughs> Yeah, I could do it to, do it to, do it to Michael Caine, and, and I, 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 I get an Alan Partridge blazer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I've got a friend who's got one of those. Uh, in fact, yeah. the uh, this is where we're really disappearing down the uh, the old swan hole. Um, rabbit car from the original. You can't get a you can't Alan get a swan Partridge. down a hole. Yeah, swans don't live in holes. The car that has the uh, offensive graffiti written on it. Um, oh, cock piss Babtridge. Yeah, that the one. That's the one. <laughs> Sorry, like, yeah. That is, that is available for sale in Manchester as I speak. Um, yeah, that's the Ro Rover 800. Yeah, so that, that yeah. very, very vehicle is, I've seen it on a driveway and it's got a... <laughs> it. 
York for two grand. So oh, uh, I would bid on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would I would bid on that. The Norfolk Messiah, definitely. I think you're gonna get a pair of socks, Michael Caine socks. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Could you stop mentioning my socks? So what's the next thing that Rebecca is gonna have her hand on my undercrackers? It's gotta stop mine. <laughs> yeah, it has. So the chemist is out <laughs> the day after this podcast goes live. So that's the 22nd is, of February. It's the fifth Jack Cade novel. It is, it is. absolutely fantastic. And thank you. Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. Wish you all success. Loved it. Because yeah. And to you too as well. <laughs> exactly. Love writing it. Love the whole process. If any of you new authors are listening, just over the flow. Yes. It's, you know, this is a really good team here. You know, um, yeah, you'll get the sixth, and the seventh is already in the, in my mind, and that <laughs> introducing a whole new brilliant character that I've spoken to the real John Daniel about. Boy, I've never read anything like that before. Oh wow! The real JD. Yeah, well, we look forward to that enormously. But uh, much love now, from New Zealand, guys. The chemist out on Tuesday. Thank you. Looking forward Jay, to it, guys. Thank you so much for all your help. It's our pleasure. And uh, Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And Rebecca, just by the lighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to do a Michael Caine off. We had to. And who was the winner of the Michael Actually, I think, I think, I think Lewis has a, has a gift for it. I mean, I, I think I do the older Michael Caine, the one uh, who speaks like that and doesn't quite get his words out as clearly the as calm. he used to. Well, the, the one that, yeah. I mean, you know, duh. I, I, I do the duh thing because that when he's speaking normally and he hasn't got a script, he tends to do that a bit. Um, <laughs> do the duh. Do the duh. Um, but uh, no, I mean, you know, it'll be a dark day for this pro- podcast and for me when uh, he's 88, 89 now. I thought you were going to say Lewis then. <laughs> no, no, no. When Michael passes, that'll be a dark day. Oh, it, was bad gosh. Enough, it was bad enough for, for Sir Michael when, when Sean went and... That, and, and obviously Bob Hoskins, he, he's lost a lot of his mates, but um, he, he, he still has Shakira and long way they And continue. they're moving to the sheltered accommodation, aren't they? <laughs> well, it sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> he's got so many properties around the world. He's got a place in Miami, he's got a place in New York, he's got uh, one in Surrey and he's got one in Chelsea Harbour. So, um, But not Norby Junction? No. That's that we know come. of, at least. Well, yeah, I can't really see Sir Michael and Shakira sharing a narrow boat at Norbury Junction. I can. can I you? absolutely, well, except for the fact that that Michael Caine's obviously um, got slight mobility issues if he's downsizing to a... I don't think he's... Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, he's not getting around with a stick anymore, but um, he, he did have a bad uh, bad fall not so long ago. Uh, anyway, that's that, why I thought... I don't... This is becoming almost a Michael Caine... <laughs> the Michael Caine Ma- Michael Caine. No, Michael Caine um, podcast. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So we um, we have a... We had a little mini break this week, and uh, it really was mini. It was mini. I mean, it feels like we've been back for a long time already. Yeah. So we had a couple of nights down in um, the Cotswolds, which uh, is an area, you know, you hear so much about. I mean, it's so influential in British culture. Oh, yeah. In terms of what people wear in the country and (laughs) farmers markets and all sorts of things. Gloucestershire is the birth place of the farmer's market indeed yeah in Stroud so we were we were at a place called um well it was called Pin Farthings but it was next to um Minchinhampton Common and we went into Minchinhampton yesterday which was one of the most staggeringly beautiful 
little villages, towns I've ever seen. Cotswold Stone, I mean, largely unchanged. Must be a preservation area, I guess. It was amazing. I think they're just... Those little towns and villages in the Cotswolds, they just don't change because there's nothing to change. Well, also, they're probably, yeah, strict rules. But I I have to tell everybody that... uh, So when we were first looking for somewhere to go, we wanted to go stay somewhere for a couple of days. And we looked at Bath and we thought about near Oxford again, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't that long ago since we went. And I said, how about Stroud? And what did you say when I said, how about Stroud? What the hell's in Stroud? Yeah. (laughs) But he fell in love with the place, didn't he? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my favourite moment of the whole thing, I mean, it's really beautiful. We had a um, part of someone's house, and she's an artist, and he's in um, documentary filmmaking, a cameraman. Yes. Uh, really stunning modern house, triple glazed, all that sort of thing. Three windows, three sets of windows on three sides. Despite the storm, Storm Eunice, we, you know, you barely could notice it. You could watch the trees bending in the garden and all that sort of thing. But it really was sepulchrally quiet and just a wonderful spot. But uh, my favourite bit was when we went to a, a fairly rough and ready cafe in the middle of Stroud, and we <laughs> ended up having a conversation with um, this most <laughs> extraordinary woman who, uh, she was saying she lives in sheltered accommodation, um, she's got problems with her neighbours, making a lot of noise upstairs, he's 74. And he never, was it George upstairs? George never shuts up, he does Six o'clock in the morning and yeah. <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. Uh, it was wonderful, and just uh, I've just forgotten... I used to have conversations like when I was a student in Exeter, just how warm <laughs> and open and just wonderful the people of the Southwest can be. Oh, lovely! Yeah, yeah, it no, was she, really. She good. was brilliant because she was she was head to toe in rainbow colours. Yeah, she was. She was. She 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 was basically she'd been obviously shopping in one of the sort of uh, new age shops, and she was covered in rings, and she was having a conversation. She obviously went in there every day as well because they knew her very well, and they sort of. Well, I mean, I suppose she she nurses a coffee. And as, as somebody to talk to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, she was just so colourful. And, you know, we heard about a sciatica and various <laughs> other things. But it was just lovely. And I was overhearing a conversation about, oh, yeah, he's had his kitchen done. It's terrible, it is. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I wouldn't have used that colour. And <laughs> She was. She was brilliant. Yeah. I think I think you wanted to make friends with her, didn't no, you? I did, actually. I, I would really like her to be part of the podcast, actually. I think you should get a weekly <laughs> word of wisdom from, from uh, Joyce. I'm going to call her. Um, But, yeah, it was lovely to go away and just – I did some reading. I mean, I just read for pleasure. And you said you weren't going to do any work. Well, that didn't work out, did it? No, I did, I don't know, about four or five hours on Friday. you did. did. And in the car. But something we learned from it, A, the benefit of light. Where we work at the moment in the kitchen, which is the Hobeck HQ, big table, sitting opposite ends, hardly any natural light in there at all. No, no. And – to be in a room with so much natural light, despite the weather, was amazing. You see, this is the irony. We were on holiday, and uh, on Friday afternoon, I thought, okay, I'll do a little bit of work. I think I was actually more productive just because of the light and the quiet and the... And the d- lack of clutter. The lack what I was of clutter. Say. So we we are going to spend half time without the kids here, stripping the place bare, because we are, you know, we moved here a year ago, and it is just festooned with clutter. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's a mess. It's the, the, we have a distinct lack of storage. We, we, yeah, it's we, a barn. We, we have signi- yeah, we have significant storage issues. There are no cupboards to speak of in the place. We've had to provide our own shelves. Um, and and every, the fact we own 4,000 books doesn't yeah, help. Yeah, that has not helped. But you know, if we can get this straightened out, that'll be great. But it, it, I hadn't really appreciated just how much that clutter surrounding us, you know, 
deflects you from clear thoughts and oh. and, and, and concentrated work, really. No, see, this surprises me that you haven't made the connection. Because... Well, I suppose I've always been used to clutter. That's just the way I am, too. I mean, you know... Well, th- this is part of the problem. We are both clutter magnets. We are. We are. Yeah. Because we both have chaotic minds, so we have chaotic lives. Yes, we do. Yeah. Well, we need to... Well, let's We do need to make an effort, bit, yes. Bit by bit. <laughs> so we had a little break. Um, weather was foul, but uh, the setting was beautiful and the food was good and we just had a lovely little time. I mean, I felt knackered when I got back. <laughs> For some reason, a two-hour journey took five hours. And so I didn't I, even notice because I was working. You were working in the front seat. <laughs> I kept sort of just diverting. So let's go and visit there. Let's go visit this oh. and let's go visit that. Um it was crazy. This is we zigzagged through the Midlands. This is quite funny because so we we started off in um, I've forgotten the name of that town again. Mid Middle Middle M- Millhampton or something. Right, we went to Min- <laughs> Minchinhampton. Minchinhampton, okay. So from Minchinhampton, we, we had a coffee there, and you said I just want to get home. Yeah, and we were driving up the M5. Well, we were going to go to Stroud for the farmers market, but it was absolutely hammering it down. So we went through Stroud. And we were. Well, we, then we, we got to the M5. We got to the M5. I said, we'll stop at Gloucester Services. But we'd already missed them because we went. We joined the motorway further north. So then he said, oh, do you fancy having a, a, a bit of a detour? And I thought, okay, what's he got in mind? And so we st- got off at Tewkesbury and we drove to Malvern. You suggested Greater Malvern, which is great for me because I've got lots of childhood memories of Malvern. Part of my family um, came from that area. So I was, I, I hid it quite well, but I was overjoyed that we were going to stop in Malvern. Yeah, <laughs> and then I just went, we pulled into the Waitrose thinking that would be a good place to park. It was impossible to park there. It was madness. And I just went, you know, whatever word I used, I can't remember. It wasn't a pleasant word. I said, we're getting out of here. Can't see any cafes. We're going. So we went to Worcester, where we'd been on Friday. Which, again, a very nostalgic place for me. I was born, born in Worcester. Yeah. My mum grew up in Worcester. All the grandparents. My dad grew up in Worcester as well. So, you know, very happy memories there. Yeah. Uh, which we did get lunch, but it was brunch at about half past one. I'd not eaten anything all day. I was full of hanger. Well, you'd had cornflakes. Yeah, I'd had some cornflakes. And I'd had a bit of bread. So that was it, an odyssey for for breakfast. And then <laughs> a very, very slow final stage of the journey home. We got home about three o'clock and I was absolutely exhausted. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than the M5 and the M6 combining to crawl. Tell me about it. I went to Exeter. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're moaning, we're moaning away. We're moaning away. So the week ahead. Well, it's half term. So my son's on half term. Your sons are away with their dad. Um, I need to go and see him a bit because uh, his plans to go and see his grandparents have fallen through because they've got COVID, which is the uh, same as happened at Christmas. His plans were scuppered then as well. I know. The COVID. I know. And we've got loads and loads of meetings. So we're speaking to Rachel later in the week for next week's show. Rachel McLean. And uh, we've got various other things set up as well. So lots and lots to do. And, uh, you know, I've got all your books to do. You've got... Oh, so uh, much, so much work. I don't even know where to start. So, Well, we'll start by finishing the programme, shall we? Uh, By saying thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to take a look at our website, www.hobeck.net. Details of all our authors, our audiobooks, our blogs. There's one thing I ought to say is we've just taken away our postage and packaging charges on UK sales. Yes, we have. So we have. We've, we uh, we met with our accountant and we figured out that that was worth doing. So if you want to buy books direct from Hoback, and that's uh, certainly in a, we'd certainly appreciate if you did, uh, then go to our bookstore on that website, www.hoback.net, and there'll be no postage package for UK buyers only, sadly. 
um, we're sorry for those of you abroad who, who buy books from us. We're grateful, but we can't do that. <laughs> but we will be, uh, you know, there'll be no charge for postage packaging anymore. Yeah. So and you also get your books wrapped up by yours truly. You do. You do. And she sort of perfumes the book and all sorts of things. Anyway, that's <laughs> uh, that's where to find us. And, of course, we'd be extremely grateful. No matter where you found us on the Hobcast, please consider subscribing to us. It means a great deal to us. We'd be enormously grateful. But from uh, myself, Adrian Hobart. And myself, Rebecca Collins. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hobcast Book Show. Next week, Rachel McLean is our guest. So we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.